When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent pending movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Thursday, January 25th, 2024, and it is officially Oscar season. We are on the road to the Oscars. Oscar nominees are out. You know, it's like the road to WrestleMania in wrestling. Royal Rumble happens. That's this weekend. And mm-hmm. then you're on the Royal, the road to WrestleMania. We're on the road to the Academy Awards, baby. Oh, yeah. A lot to talk about, too. Uh, the Academy Awards. This year, I feel like more... Coverage, more publicity, more um, casual moviegoer people that are actually uh, interested in the Academy Awards this year. So there was a lot of takes. There was a lot um, of takeaways from the nominees, Ty. And I'm excited to talk about it. We talk about it every year. But this year just feels like it has a little bit of extra juice. And I love it. Oh, yeah. It just seems like a lot of the Oscar-nominated movies were actually big box office movies that people went and saw. Which always makes it fun. Because the conversation's flown. People have got opinions. And, um... I'm I'm really looking fun to diving into it. Yeah. Looking gonna, forward, looking fun. <laughs> we're going to dive in. We're going to give some takes. I'm excited for that. But also, we are going to do our work in reviewing every Oscar Best Picture nominated film because today we're reviewing the Best Picture nominated film, The Holdovers. Yeah. We took a gamble. We said, hey, we're pretty sure, 95% sure this movie is going to be nominated for Best Picture. Let's happen to review it on the same podcast that we talk about the Oscars. And, you know, good for us. Yeah. We Nailed got it right. It. Nailed it. That just shows, if anything, that shows our movie knowledge right yeah. there. We get this. <laughs> so, perfect timing. Uh, my, maybe a little bit of a shorter movie review than the traditional 50-minute reviews we do, but <laughs> there's going to be plenty to talk about and a lot of good movies to talk about, right. Ty. I can't wait. Let's get into the show. of the time, it works every time. John Samos. What? We just become best friends. Yup. I don't feel so good. Oh. I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! All right, Ty, the 96th Academy Awards is less than two months away, and we now know which movies are going to be up for all of those beautiful golden trophies. Yeah. Four years from 100. There's a lot of great things that are 96 years old, Ty. Like? Um, like Clint Betty Eastwood? White. Betty White's dead. Yeah, she is dead. She's way over 96. Yeah, I thought I thought if I googled 96-year-old people it would it would pop up uh, right away and I could just easily transition to that. Uh 96-year-old celebrities. Here we go. William Daniels, Rosemary Harris, George Freeman, not to be confused with George Foreman. Yeah. Or guy. Morgan Freeman. Um none of these people I I know. So, can you imagine being alive before the Oscars? You've seen every Oscar 
that's ever been. Clint Eastwood's almost there. He's 93. He missed the first couple. Fucking <laughs> Clint Eastwood. They better not do some dumb shit like name the Academy Award after Clint Eastwood once he's dead. No, fuck Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Look, I love Oscar movies. In the past, in my past, I didn't really love Oscar movies. I was a bird brain. I'm still a little bit of a bird brain, but I'm developing my my movie taste, my taste for these artsy-fartsy movies. Not all of them are artsy-fartsy, though. And as we've done this podcast, as this podcast has grown, and as we've found our voice in this digital landscape, I just get more and more excited to talk about these films, to talk about all the nominees, to talk about the snubs, what people, how people are reacting and whatnot. We're not going to go through the list and name every single nominee. We're not going to tell you what the fourth nominee is for best costume design. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just be honest. That would be bad radio. And there's a pretty graphic you can get on Letterboxd that shows you all the nominees and whatnot. But what we are going to do, we're going to give our five hottest Oscar takes for the 96th Academy Awards. So obviously a lot of nominees. We don't know who's going to win yet, but we do know that some nominees were snubbed. Some maybe weren't snubbed, but everyone thinks they were snubbed. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of takeaways. I'm just so excited because I just feel like I remember doing this. I think it was two years ago. It might've been, it was 2021 after the pandemic. I remember watching the, uh, the nominees on my phone. I was in Las Vegas at the time working with my father and there was just like no buzz. That was the year, or maybe it was 2022, but it was the year like Dune was nominated for like everything. And there like, wasn't that many movies and like no one really seemed to care. Yeah. And I feel like we've just come a long way. You know, the Academy is back, baby. Yeah. And I mean, with Dune being nominated for so many, that just Oppenheimer slotted right in. Mm. They're just every single category they showed up in. Mm. Yeah. But Oppenheimer was great. So I think it's the 2021 one. I'm thinking that's the one year. That's the year Nomadland won. And there's just kind of like a lot of not great movies just because there wasn't that many great movie or movies that came out period. Yeah. Um, the 94 Academy Awards was, I believe the Dune year. Yeah. Dune was, but there were some great, there were some great movies that year. Your personal favorite, the power of the dog. Fuck that movie. Isn't that crazy that that movie and King Richard was two Oscar cycles ago, Ty? Yeah. What was last Oscar cycle? Everything everywhere all at once. Oh, that's right. Um, and some movies I loved. I think my favorite, uh, everything everywhere was probably my favorite, but, uh, the Banshees of Nishirin, trash. The Fablemans, really good. Have you ever seen The Fablemans? Yeah, we reviewed it. Did we? On this pod. We review every Oscar. That's well, our not thing. every. We miss some. Well, we do most. We did <laughs> we, that one. We do the like five or so that we think have a chance of winning. Yeah. Um, this year, I want to try to at least watch every single one of them. Will we do every single one for the pod? Who knows? But I want to try to watch every single one of them. Yeah. But we're going to give our top five hottest Oscar nomination takes and we're going to do a take draft tie. Mm. We got our hot takes. We're going to take turns. We don't want to have the same take. So I'm going to give a take. We're going to both expand on it. You're going to see, tell me if you agree or disagree. Yep. And then it'll be your turn to give a take and we'll expand on that. And that'll be a nice, concise way for us to navigate all of these nominees and all of the uh, backlash that's coming for some movies. I've got a lot of takes in my pocket. Me too. Eight to be exact. So hopefully you don't take some of mine because we're doing five. My first overall pick, because you said I could go first overall before the podcast started. I appreciate it. Of course. It's the biggest take. It just has to be one of one because it's what everyone's talking about. I wrote here, the outrage over Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie not getting nominated is misplaced. Everyone's upset that Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Best Director and everyone is also upset that Margot Robbie did not get nominated for Best Leading Actress. Look, I, I want to preface all this by saying both are great. The direction of this movie, the directing by Greta Gerwig, 
is great. She's a very respected director. You know, she's been nominated, nominated and won in the past. I'm not here to sit here and be like, oh, it was a terrible job by Greta Gerwig. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was a terrible job by Margot Robbie either. Both were good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to look at the landscape of the Academy Awards. you got to look at the landscape of the people who actually got nominated. And it's just sometimes there's just not enough room. You know, like that's just the case. That's the fact of the matter. That's it's you see it in, in MLB Hall of Fame. You see it in all these things. Sometimes there's not enough room. And yes, Barbie was nominated for Best Picture and deservingly so. I think there it would be outrageous if it wasn't just because of the cultural impact. Yeah. But Best Director is only five people. And I haven't seen all of the five movies, but I can tell you the ones I have seen that are in the Best Director nominees are all above uh, Barbie by like, like not just like a little bit above it, like levels above it. Even a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon, which I've been very vocal against, like mm-hmm. there's a little bit extra of a level there, you know, and uh, Oppenheimer, obviously we love Poor Things, which we haven't reviewed on the podcast. Yet. I may have a take about that movie in the future. Haven't done it yet. Um <sighs> I can't wait to talk to, talk to you about that movie. So there's just levels. And you look at Best Actress, and, and, and there's levels. Lily Gladstone is, like, the runaway favorite. But I also love Emma Stone. Emma Stone, like, levels to what Margot did and what Greta Gerwig did. So I'm glad it got the Best Picture nod nominee, and it got some other nominations as well. Is it a shame they didn't get nominated? Yes. But at the end of the day, you have to pick five, and I just don't think they were one of the best five. And just because, you know... Uh, Ryan Gosling got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Like, look, there wasn't that many supporting actor, like, great performances. You know, yeah. I've seen four of the five now at this point, And it's, like, easier to sneak in. And we were also saying after that movie that Ryan Gosling ironically kind of stole the show. Like, yes, it's a Barbie movie. It's about feminism. I support and, and I'm, I'm an ally for all of that. But, like, you shouldn't discredit Ryan Gosling because it was Barbie movie. You should still give him his credit. Now, that being said, uh, America Ferrera, Best Supporting Actress. I won't say anything about that because I'm a huge Superstore fan. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Just, I, I just want all opinions. Yeah, I, I want to withhold my opinion there because I love Superstore. Notably biased with uh, yeah. America Ferrera. So, okay. I'll, I'll sit out of that one. With your one take, you have taken three of my takes off the board. <laughs> so, I had a lot of stuff about Barbie. I didn't know which one I was going to da- jump into. Um, actually, now that I'm looking at it, it's probably four. Oh, man. That's all right. I agree with you on part of it. Margot Robbie did not deserve to get a nomination. Okay. She didn't. With that being said, that's fine. Like, there's so many iconic roles that are fantastic and people remember for decades that never even came close to being nominated. Yeah. There's a lot of really fun, really enjoyable. She did a great job, but it wasn't like a incredibly draining emotional performance. She played a Barbie. Yeah. Like, uh, that's... She did great, and it's a very iconic role, and she'll be remembered for it forever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean she deserves to win the best, you know, actress for the fucking Oscars for it. Mm-hmm. With that being said, my one thing that I took away from Killers of the Flower Moon is how much better it could have been. <laughs> and I think of so many different scenes that if they would have let it breathe and just done it slightly different, that movie could have been one of my favorites of the year. And that's all on Scorsese. And then I think, and then I think of Barbie, and I think of how well that movie was done with the different ups mm-hmm. and, and downs and the emotional moments at the end and everything. That's all Gerwig. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think Martin Scorsese's the name, and if he makes a movie, 
He's going to get fucking nominated. It's almost impossible for him not to at this point. Yeah. She deserved to be nominated over Scorsese, though. Is that, like, your first... Are you parlaying that into your first take, or are you just... No, no, no. I'm, okay. I'm just... I'm picking back you're parlaying your... that into a Killers of the Flower Moon take. You know what? Let's do it. First take. Right. Martin Scorsese should not have been nominated for Best Director for Killers of the Flower Moon. There it is, folks. Because Gerwig deserved a nom over him. <laughs> there it is, folks. It's just... That movie could have been so much better than it was. And I get what they are trying to do. And, and we reviewed it. Mm-hmm. I gave that movie a 10 on story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, so much of that, and you can go back and listen to the review, was where Martin Scorsese just didn't fucking commit and, and make things work the way that they could have worked to make this fucking emotional, impactful, edgier seat kind of film. Yeah. And that was him. And he's the name. And he's, of course, he's always going to be the one getting nominated. Because he's been doing this forever, and he has a lot of really, really good shit. This was not one of them, though. And I think that was because of him. My favorite take that you've ever had, I think, maybe in the history of the podcast. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe not the whole history of the podcast. But one of my favorite takes you've ever had is you made the point that if Killers of the Flower Moon was the exact same movie, you changed nothing about it. Hell, even let Martin Scorsese make it. But then you just tell everyone that it was M. Night Shyamalan, it would have been nobody, it wouldn't have been received as well. Yeah. It would have got a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, granted, M. Night loves his twists. So everyone might have been like, hey, there's no twist here. We know what's going on. <laughs> what's going on? Um, but that was my favorite point of yours because it's like some directors just, he's earned it. Don't get me wrong. Martin Scorsese has earned the nod of, you know, being this well received beloved director and M. Night Shyamalan for better or worse has earned being like this guy who people kind of shit on. Yeah. But let's be objective about the film and everyone's trying so hard to make killers of the flower moon, this freaking amazing film. And I, I respect it. I respect elements of it. I don't want to take any of your other takes. If you have more killers of the flower moon takes, that's it. I respect the acting that, you know, you get a lot of talented people on one screen together. They're going to act their ass off. Like yeah. that's just going to happen. I respect the gravity of the story, the real story that was told. I get all that. And, like, the filmmaking is good. Like, Scorsese's not going to just churn out slop. But yeah, yeah. If, if it's not Scorsese making that and it's the same movie, it's just people aren't trying so hard to make it this amazing film. Yeah. I mean, you'll get things where it's, like, ghost writers and stuff for, like, songs mm-hmm, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If Scorsese was the ghost director of this movie and M. Night's tied to it, <laughs> it's panned. Yeah. People hate it. I thought you were going in a different direction. I thought you were going to talk about Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider. Oh, Ghost Rider. Yeah, that's what I thought you said at oh, first. Oh, no. <laughs> Great movie, though. <laughs> Maybe better than Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> you know, while we're topical on Killers of the Flower Moon, I'll just give my next Killers of the Flower Moon adjacent take. My second Oscars hot take. Both Roberts, that is Robert De Niro and Robert Downey Jr., nominated for Best Supporting Actor, are overrated. Ooh. Not saying they shouldn't have been nominated, but I believe those two performances are being a little bit overrated. As it is right now, I haven't seen Sterling K. Brown's performance in American Fiction yet. As it is right now, I'd put Mark Ruffalo 1, Ryan Gosling 2, and then either of the Roberts 3 and 4. I don't mm. really care. Wow. I just I think De Niro more than Downey Jr. Um, De Niro's performance was really good. Don't get me wrong. But again, I've seen all the film bros on Twitter putting clips of how amazing it was and everything. Like it was a good performance. And I'll be honest, I'm a little, I lean a little bit more towards the, 
outlandish performances. Like, that's the big debate with Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone right now for Best Actress. It's like Emma Stone's is a little more out there and crazy, and it looks like she's working, whereas Lily Gladstone's is more reserved and subtle. And it's two different things, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit more towards the out there, I'll be honest, but I just didn't think De Niro was, like, anything that another big-name actor probably couldn't have done. Yeah, I, I just didn't think. And then with Downey Jr., the, again, the performance is great. But, like, all he really does is, like, speak on a trial and then have one meeting with Oppenheimer at a restaurant. And, like, while it's very good, don't get me wrong, if that's not Robert Downey Jr., I don't know how much love that's getting. You know, that's Iron Man. That's the face of the MCU acting very well. And I do believe he deserves the nomination. But people are talking like it's a runaway for him, and I just don't see it personally. Hmm. Haven't seen Mark Ruffalo's Poor Things. Haven't seen him in Poor Things. Hulk over Iron Man. There's my take. Damn. <laughs> um, De Niro is just, he's De Niro. He doesn't do anything special. It's his type of acting. He just gives a De Niro performance. It's the exact same thing as like a Ryan Reynolds. He just plays Ryan Reynolds. No one's <laughs> raving over his performances in anything. Unfortunately, they are not. Yeah. So, I mean, I do think Downey Jr. was fantastic in Oppenheimer, though. I think he was good, and I, I, I just, I think it's the Marvel thing. Like, when I think about RDJ versus Angela Bassett in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Angela Bassett is head and shoulders above him. Wow. Oppenheimer is a great film. My favorite movie of the year. I would vote it Best Picture. I just, uh, uh, feels like RDJ, I, I just, I think it's the high tide lifts all ships kind of thing where the movie was so good that Everyone's everyone seems amazing, which rightfully so. Everyone worked towards it being amazing. But, like, I'm most giving most of that credit to Christopher Nolan, Killian Murphy, and uh, whoever did the sound on it because, goodness gracious, amazing. Oh, I know the guy who does the sound, too. Whatever. He's fantastic. Um, I don't Ludwig know, Goranson. Goranson, yeah. Goranson. Very good. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's possible, but I also gave Oppenheimer a 20 for characters. Everyone was good in that movie. <laughs> so... I guess good performance being met with good performance makes each performance look better. Yep. So iron sharpens iron, baby. Yeah. Ryan Gosling, he's fantastic. I I don't I can't like off the top of my head think of someone who deserved a nomination over him. But no, I, I think Gosling, I I have number two right now. Yeah, I, he's fantastic. I don't know if he deserves to win, but he did steal that movie mm -hmm. in terms of performance and like on screen, which is all you're looking in a supporting role. Yeah. Who steals the screen when they're on screen, even though it's not about them. Yeah. He does that. So I I have some best supporting actor people I maybe would have rather seen in there, but I'll save it for another take because I can kind of tie it to another take. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Which second take, Ty? My second take that I'm going to put out here, Jay. Um, oh, I just don't know which way I want to go with this. We're going to switch categories here. Uh, I'm going to go Elemental getting a nomination. Mm. is not as outrageous as Luca and Onward. <laughs> okay. Elemental, I think what they did with that movie and the kind of like the, the community and vibe to it and everything works better than other Pixar movies that have been nominated. And people are shitting on this one more than any other one. Yeah. Onward was good. You liked Onward. I did. I did. And that's what I'm saying. I think it deserved this nomination. With that being said, I think there were some other ones. I haven't seen everything else in this category. Mm -hmm. Boy in the Huron feels like the obvious favorite. 
Heron? Even over Heron. Or even over Spider-Verse. People love that. Yeah. Love Studio Ghibli. They love that movie. Those movies are all fantastic. I, I didn't get a chance to see it yet. I'm hoping I can eventually, but Studio Ghibli always makes incredible, incredible films, mm-hmm. and they're very distinct, Like you, you, obviously with the animation, but you switch up the animation style and like the story and everything that they're telling, you can still tell it's that kind of movie, so I'm sure like I know what to expect, and it's fantastic, but I, I don't get the outrage for Elemental being nominated. I think it's, and this is one of my takes, so I'm not using it as a take, but I think it just, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Mutant Mayhem aspect of all this yeah um i had the take that's the biggest snub <laughs> of the of the whole thing <laughs> of the whole oscars um i just don't see how elemental is a it gets in over teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem um that movie was creative the animation style was different it was funny it was heartwarming and you know i, I just i pixar is gonna get in no matter what that's just kind of what they do yeah i i just I haven't seen Nimona. I haven't seen Robot Dreams. So I, I can't sit here and say that TMNT should definitely go in over those two films. What I can say is if I was voting, I would have put TMNT over Elemental. Now, would have Elemental have gotten in over the other two I haven't seen? Maybe. You know, because I, I agree with you. I don't think Elemental is as bad as people are like saying it is. We've talked about has Pixar peaked 30 times on this podcast. Elemental's not old Pixar, but it's way better than Luca. Luca was yeah. like the most overrated Pixar movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's it's not good, even remotely. And for that to get a nomination is insane. And I mean, I, I did give Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a better score than Elemental by mm-hmm. nine points. Mm-hmm. With that being said, it does feel like Elemental is more of the story that the Oscars are looking for versus... Because let's be honest, Teenage Mutant Mayhem is a superhero story, just animated. And it doesn't have any generational trauma. And it doesn't have any generational <laughs> trauma. At least a small amount of generational trauma. But it just it seems like that's more of the story to where if these were two non-animated films, Elemental gets in before yeah before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah for better or worse like that's just how the Oscars is yeah. so I'm I'm not outraged by it but I do think that it would have been nice to see a little bit of love there but I feel like Spider Man Across the Spider Verse like that movie takes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles place as the fun cool animations you know which is dumb because there shouldn't be like. We can only have one of these, but you're right. That's kind of how the Academy works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, we know what to expect now. It's the same thing. I'm outraged that Scorsese got a numb, but I know how this works. Ooh, I just thought of an Oscar take, but I don't think I can pull the trigger fully. <laughs> All right, my third Oscar hot take. I'm going to go, this will be a quick one, because I know we agree. Napoleon is the most undeserving multiple nominated movie. Mm. Napoleon got two nominations. It got nominated for Best Visual Effects, which also uh, one of my favorite movies, The Creator, got nominated for. Yes, it did. Shout out to The Creator, Ty. Yeah. I know you didn't love it as much as I did. And it also got nominated for, let me figure this out. Set design? Best Costume Design. Costume Design. And Best Production Design. So it got nominated for three. So what's that? Yeah, Production Design. Three different nominations. Look, it's Ridley Scott. It's Joaquin Phoenix. It's the idea we talked about it. Go listen to our Napoleon review if you haven't listened to it already. The idea of the Napoleon movie is so awesome. And part of me feels like some of these voters didn't even watch the movie. And they're like, there's no way that was bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're just like all talking about it, but none of them have seen it. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, good movie. Yeah. It's it's like this, the guy who goes in the sports store and doesn't really know like 
the team he's, you know, shopping for, but he's like trying to talk along, mm-hmm. you know, like he's trying to talk ball, but he's a casual. Yeah. And someone's like, damn, yeah, Lamar Jackson's horrible. And the other guy's like, yeah, he is horrible. And it's like, all right, you, you don't I know you don't really pay attention to Lamar Jackson. You're just agreeing. Um, that's Napoleon for me. I just don't see different categories. Yes. And like, could you talk me into each one? Sure. But I don't know. Visual effects you're not talking me into. Fair. You look at the other four movies, that category, the creator looked fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Godzilla minus one looked fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Guardian of the Galaxy volume three. Let me guess. Looked fucking awesome. (laughs) And Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. That man drove a motorcycle off a cliff. (laughs) Let me remind you. Yes, he did. That was practical, but they used visual effects to make it look even cooler. Dude, even a movie like Hunger Games looked better than Napoleon. In terms of visual effects, absolutely. Set design and costume, it's a historical piece. They're always going to get nominated for something like that. Um, yeah. It's just, that's just the way it is. If you do it good and it looks like it's in that time period, they're going to give you some love. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Where's the set design one? Who else got nominated for? For set design? Let me tell you. It is. Production design. Produ- Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things. I mean, look. The movie we're reviewing this week looks like it was filmed 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago isn't as long as I was thinking, so I had to bump that back a little bit. Mm -hmm. 50 years ago. Yeah. It looks like it was filmed there, and like they're just as historically accurate as Napoleon is. Yeah. Why the fuck are we giving them so much credit just because it was during like the French Revolution? I don't know. It's fine. So some of these can be a little bit confusing just because some of them sound like they're almost the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so what exactly is what? What a best production design? Best production design is not on this. Best art direction is that? Have they changed the name of it? I think they changed the name of it from this article. Yeah, shoot. I just, I there's like different things, and I, I just don't really like. What does exactly does best production design mean, and where does that differ from like best cinematography? Where does that like? I, I don't know. Yeah, it says uh recognizes achievement for art direction in film. I don't understand that explanation. Yeah. I don't, I don't either. I, I just, I don't think it should be nominated multiple times. Napoleon never should have shown up on the Oscars. No, it shouldn't have. Never should have even came close. Let's see. Best production. So you already said what best production design was, right? Yeah. Best production oh, this design. Is just saying that year's nominees. Never mind. Moving on. Shouldn't have been multiple nominated. 100% agree. Um, I'm on to my third, right? Yeah. All right. My third take is that two-part here. Okay. The Oscars need to add a Best Voice Acting Award for, for like, animated films. Mm-hmm. And Bradley Cooper should have won it for a live-action film. <laughs> Wait, so... Best they, they, be, best voice acting performance for okay. people who aren't on screen, visual effects characters, animated characters. Okay. And Bradley Cooper should have won that award for, for Guardians of the, the Galaxy. Not Vin 3. Diesel. Not Vin Diesel. I don't hate that. It's just we have best actor. We have best supporting actor. We have best animated movie. But some of the best performances I've ever seen have been out of like video games and t- you know TV shows that are animated. And it's voice acting performances that are fantastic. And no one ever gets credit for it. And I think of a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, one of my top three movies of the year mm-hmm. for me. And that movie and all the scenes with Rocket Raccoon and all the shit that he goes through. If that's a live action performance in some way, 
And Bradley Cooper does the exact same thing. He gets nominated for how incredible he is in that film. Yeah. But they just don't give it any love because it's an animated character and it's a voice acting performance. I don't hate that. It's just, it makes no sense to not have an award for such a large piece of, of movie going, you know, the, the experience of it. Like animated movies have been getting more and more respect year after year, but they still aren't respecting any of the performances in them. So let's no preparation workshop this. Who would have got nominated this year? Bradley Cooper as Groot. Just going through the animated movies. I think um, I just had it in my head, and now I lost it. I'm such an idiot. Bradley Cooper would have been nominated. Yeah. Uh, Robert Pattinson for Boy in the Huron, because he plays that, like... Million percent. That whatever, scraggly voice. Uh, Great radio there by Jason. Um, Someone from Spider-Verse. Maybe even Spot. I like Spot a lot, but there's a few people from Spider-Verse you could probably give that. I could see Haley Steinfeld. From Spider Verse, I can't even see the it. lead. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he gives a good voice acting performance. Yeah. Um, it, the category might be a little top heavy. But yeah, for sure. Fine. There's a lot of categories that are top yeah. heavy. But I'm just thinking I'm for like, it, Ty. For me, like even in like TV and everything, there's so many fantastic. You think I think of Invincible, and mm-hmm. and and well, not J.K. Rollins. What the fuck's his name? J.K. Simmons. Simmons. Yep. Incredible in that show. And and there's just so many good performances that, sure, they aren't on screen, but they carry so much emotion and everything through just them speaking. Mm-hmm. The, the Oscars needs to show them a little bit of love. I agree, Ty. Feels like a category we'll get in the next, like, five years, hopefully. I agree. I appreciate that. That's a good take. I appreciate that. The television, the Emmys have outstanding character voiceover performance. Who won this year? Uh, Maya Rudolph for Connie the Hormone Monstrous from Big Mouth. Are you fucking kidding me? This was 2023, so last year. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And the nominees were, uh, well, this was only TV. Yes, I know. I've seen multiple better performances in animated TV. Uh, The shows that were nominated were Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Story, Family Guy, Alex Borstein. I don't know who she voices, maybe Lois. Uh, Mel Brooks in History of the World Part Two. Wanda Sky- Sykes, Skies? How do you say her? Sykes. Sykes as Crank Yankers and Ali Wong from Tuca and Birdie. What? The- no, never mind. Completely forget what I just said. They just pissed me off with who they nominated. Well, 2022, Chadwick Boseman won for uh, T'Challa in What If, so. Does that make you at least feel a little bit better about it? Yeah, it does. That does help a little. All right, good. <laughs> My fourth take. Oh, uh, you're going to like this one. My fourth Oscar hot take. It's not really a hot take. It's kind of just an explanation. The Iron Claw Fuck. is the new uncut gems. And here's what I mean by this. Iron Claw, great movie. Go listen to our review that went out a few weeks ago about it. We gave it a very high score. I believe Tyler was over 30. I don't even know where Iron Claw is. What do you on. mean over 30? Over 90. I don't know yes. where I got the 30 from. I just deleted my Iron Claw scale. I don't know where it is. You gave it a 90. I gave it a 93. But Ty, I don't know where my... I don't know like what I gave it in any category. I just lost it. It's gone forever? Yeah, no, it's gone. Anyways, very good movie. Very high score. I loved it. I'm a wrestling fan. Great stuff. But there's a lot of talk. A lot of people are saying Zac Efron should have got nominated. And I talked about this when we reviewed it. That... It was a great performance. I would have loved to see him get nominated. It's kind of like Margot, though. I don't think it's like this criminal thing, just because the best actor category is kind of loaded this year. Now, again, I haven't seen all of them, 
but the ones I have seen, it's like, there's a little bit of a level to it, you know, and it's just, sometimes you're just in a rough year, you know, when it comes to who you're going up against, you know, some years you're COVID and you're going up against Nomadland and some years you're going up against Killian Murphy and, and Paul Giamatti in the movie we just reviewed today and yeah. Bradley Cooper and all these guys, Jeffrey Wright, who looks like he has a great performance. So I don't think it's totally outrageous. He didn't get nominated. I think you could have had some best supporting actor nominees. Oh, million And that's what I was going to say earlier. But then when I think about it, it's almost a case of they took each other's stats. It's like all-stars on a basketball team. Like, you know, you got three all-stars. You're going to hurt your stats a little bit. You can't average 35 points a game when you have, you know, two other all-stars because they also got to get their shots up. So, like, when I think of best supporting actor, I'm like, which which of the brothers do I nominate, you know? Well, that's the do thing. Do I nominate the dad? You do. The dad uh, dad was my choice. Yes, the dad's the one who gets nominated over Robert De Niro. Oh, so so the the better jerk relative older relative was the dad in Iron Claw, Correct. Robert De Niro. Better performance, absolutely. I'm I'm fine with it. Um and the reason I call it Uncut Gems, it's Uncut Gems 2.0 is Uncut Gems got a lot of buzz, Adam Sandler in a serious role, really good movie. Kind of similar, they're both A24. Uncut Gems is frantic front of your seat that's that's not really the iron claw iron claw is more like depressing but both surprising you know what i mean like you don't know the iron claw story you're surprised by the grief you feel you go into what you think is an adam sandler movie you're surprised by the chaotic nature of it and since both movies were surprising and good it inflated them a little bit where like the common moviegoer it hit the common moviegoer and the common moviegoer is like man these films are amazing how are they not winning best picture and it's just it's that weird blend of like it was good to the casual audience, but like wasn't quite best picture worthy. So I don't think, you know, four years later, we look back at Uncut Gems and we're like at the time we were like, damn, how did that not get nominated? But now we're kind of like, OK, you know, Adam Sandler didn't get nominated, Uncut Gems didn't get nominated. It is what it is. I think we'll feel the same way about Iron Claw in four years, even though it might seem outrageous right now. Yeah. I, I was audibly upset when you said Iron Claw because I looked down and was like, God damn, he's got an Iron Claw take, <laughs> and I didn't get it off in enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my take was it, it, getting zero nominees, uh, nominations mm-hmm. blows my fucking mind. And I go category by category, and I don't know where it goes. That's the thing. It's like... But it just... That was one of my favorite movies, and there, everything in that was so, so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But I looked through it. You can't give it to Zac Efron. I think you can give it to the dad, but I'm not like you know, going to lose my mind that he didn't get yeah. a nominee. I think you look at like best director stacked category. Yeah. You look at best adapted screenplay stacked category. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so many different things. I think maybe, I don't know. I don't know how sound Mute, works. Makeup and hairstyling. Yeah. I, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how some of these categories, like what the caveat is for like sound or, um, shit like that. But mm-hmm. You got to give it something, right? Production but, design. But that's the thing. You go through it and you're no, just... No, that's where it is. Production design. It deserved it over Napoleon. Okay. <laughs> Million percent. You know what? Give me one. Give me production design. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll I'll, I'll uh, give that up because, as I said, it's, it's undeserving. But, you know, besides that, it's like you go through it and it's just kind of like, it sucks. But in a lot of these categories, it might just have came sixth. You know what I mean? No, like, 100%. The way yeah. they do the voting. It's just like, if you take the overall ranking you know it might be a top five movie in all these categories in terms of what it got voted for it just didn't ever get one 
You yeah. know what I mean? It got a lot of sixth and seventh and eighth place votes, but never like high votes. I think there's multiple spots if you get rid of some of these like heavy favorites, it sneaks into these categories. Because yeah. the movie's fantastic, but mm-hmm. I again I'm shocked that it didn't get any. Yeah. But when you actually look at it, it does it does make a little bit of sense. And that's how I feel like we're now looking back at Uncut Gems a few years later, where it's like at the time it was like, How did this everyone had the Adam Sandler Oscar push and then but now looking back, it's like, hmm. Kind of makes a little bit of sense, you know. 2019 was a loaded movie year. Yeah. So, it is what it is. Am I on my fourth take? Correct. My fourth Oscars take is that Japan fumbled the bag so hard not nominating uh, Godzilla Minus One. That was my going to be my fifth take. I literally wrote, Godzilla Minus One not being nominated for Best Foreign Film is a legitimate tragedy. Parentheses, Japan did not submit it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the second worst thing Japan has ever done relating to World War II. <laughs> yeah i don't know how it doesn't get nominated well i know how it doesn't get nominated because japan didn't submit it yeah but... and i don't know which one of these films is the one if any of these did japan's film get nominated as a best let's be honest we haven't seen any of the other ones. no i haven't <laughs> but god damn it that movie's so good and i yeah. wish it would have got more love they released like the video of them celebrating their best visual effects mm-hmm. oscar and they had like fucking confetti and shit i think that might win yeah, I love I, Guardians, but I, I agree. I think it might win. It's creator Guardians or Godzilla. I don't think Mission Impossible has a chance. Napoleon definitely doesn't have a chance. <laughs> and, Napoleon, win. I'll be so fucking angry. <laughs> but like seeing how excited they were and how much they enjoyed getting that nominee, like nomination, they mm. deserve something a little bigger than that because yeah. that movie was fantastic, man. Just yeah. a just a movie and a genre that has been done time and time again. And they've reinvented it and made possibly the best one ever. Yeah. According to the Academy, the criteria for the award are consideration of the contribution the visual effects make to the overall production and the artistry, skill, and fidelity with which visual illusions are achieved. So how it impacts the movie and how good it actually is. I mean, what the hell did Napoleon do? (laughs) Nothing. It did nothing. And yeah, I don't see how it doesn't win. But yeah, I agree. Like the best foreign film, when I didn't see it on there, I was like, I, I was like legitimately like, what? Yeah. And then I like look read into it, you know, and I was like, damn. Now, to be fair, this year's a little bit weak. Like Godzilla minus one probably doesn't beat Avatar the way of water. It probably doesn't beat Dune, but it still deserves. I hope it wins this one and it should have got best foreign film or at least nominated. Um, that being said, I think this isn't my take, but it's pretty much confirmed that the zone of interest is going to win best foreign film, right? Like when a foreign film is also nominated for best picture. Yeah. It's kind of kind of like the most obvious Mm -hmm. thing ever. Not only was this the best foreign, it was just one of the best. None of the other best foreigns were one of the best though. Yeah. I really want to see that movie. It looks great. Have you seen what that movie's about? Where's it from? I don't know, but it looks great. (laughs) Don't know who made it, but it looks great. I haven't even seen, I don't, I haven't even seen a trailer for it. I just read the premise and it looks great. Uh, it's from the UK. Yeah, released in the UK, distributed by A twenty four. So I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like UK movies shouldn't even be counted as foreign films. Like I know they're foreign, <laughs> but are they? Well, it's distributed by A twenty four, United States and United Kingdom, Gutic Film in Poland. So maybe it's Polish. The countries are United States, United Kingdom, and Poland. Hmm. Oh, is it in German? It says language is German. Is it dubbed oh. or uh, subtitled, maybe? 
I'm I'm sure, subtitle. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way to watch it. God. No, that's got to be subtitled. Oh, yeah. It's playing at AMCs in the United States. <laughs> They're not putting a German film only in German in a movie theater. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. You know what? I'm glad you took that because I would have I taken the wrong thing for my fifth Oscar hot take. Okay. Not a hot take, just a prediction. When the dust is settled and we are doing our recap podcast, poor things will have won the most Academy Awards. Ooh. I've seen poor things. I've seen Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was my top rated movie of the year. It got a, let me get this right, 94. Poor things got a 93. They're right up there with each other. Both movies are great in different ways. Um, Oppenheimer, the best sounding movie I've ever seen in my life without fail. The best usage of sound. It is the James Cameron avatar technology is not here yet of sound. I just don't think anyone else has the technology to make the sound that Christopher Nolan and, and the sound uh, producer whose name I can't remember off the top of my head made the composer. Gorenson. Gorenson. Johan. Johan. Yeah. I don't know. Very talented guy. Yeah. Poor Things, though, man, when you watch it, that movie is a trip. Poor Things has so much going for it. The performances are great. I even think Willem Dafoe should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, honestly. Like, he was good as well. Um, the the stylistic of it, when you watch it, Ty, like, the styling of the movie is so unique and also ties into the storytelling. And you don't really realize that it's tying into the storytelling till the very end. And, like... Just the way that movie came together, I enjoy Oppenheimer more. I'm probably more likely to enjoy Oppenheimer. Nothing will ever compare, I don't think, to the anxiety I got during the bomb scene of that movie. (laughs) Um, Just fantastic stuff. But Poor Things, it's a little bit more artsy, and I think that's going to help it in certain categories. Like, I think it's going to win, you know, it's going to win, I think, like, stuff like writing. Or it's not on writing, but, like, the adapted screenplay. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the writing for adaptive screenplay, I think it beats Oppenheimer. I wouldn't be surprised if the director wins best director. I love Christopher Nolan, but just the way this movie's directed, um, production design, I feel like it has a chance to win over um, Oppenheimer. Makeup and hairstyling, I think it has a better chance to win over Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer's a home run, no, no doubt original score is going to win yeah film editing i think it, sh- it will win too i think it'll win that over poor things because it's the editing that gets you the the you know the creates the that anxiety heart beating in your you know chest yeah. i'm not sure about killian murphy i would probably vote him but i really i'm not sure honestly um i think emma stone has a fighting chance i really do i think uh mark ruffalo to me is a shoe in for supporting role i just man i think poor things wins the most oscars mm-hmm. in 2024 there's my take I'm really looking forward to it. One less nominee or nomination than Oppenheimer. Than Oppenheimer. But yeah, I mean, I've heard great things about it. It seems like it's fantastic. So good. Love me Emma Stone. She's fantastic Dude, in everything. So good. So just to the audience who might be intrigued by the movie after I'm building it up, there is a lot of uh, adult elements in this film, um, a lot of sex in this film. So just nice. be wary if you're watching it with a a child or someone that that's not appropriate for that's not why the movie's great either sure it helps though (laughs) (laughs) no Oppenheimer also sex scenes there maybe that's the key to being an Oscar nominated movie real serious movie with sex scenes thrown in unless you're Napoleon that's why I got nominated 
That is, yeah. It was him barking like a dog on his wife's leg. That's what did it. They said, you know what? Give this fucker at least a nomination. We want him at the Oscar party. Love you, Joaquin, but not in Napoleon. Sorry. Sorry, my man. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. But Can't wait for you to watch it. What's your fifth take? My fifth and final Oscars take is that the differ, differ, I don't know how to word this. My final take is that adapted screenplay and original screenplay need to be reworked because the fact that Barbie is an adapted screenplay just because it's based on a toy is insane to me. An adapted screenplay is so much of a stronger category than just original screenplay this Mm -hmm. year. You got to make it to where more things become original because that entire movie is an original screenplay based on a doll. 100%. And it doesn't even stand a chance in this category where I feel like it would have won. For best original. No, I agree 100%. The fact that that, like, I'm, first of all, I'm shocked that Killers of the Flower Moon didn't get adapted screenplay, like, just because of how much everyone loves it. Yeah. But yeah, like, what is Barbie adapting from? Literally, it's just based on an IP, so it's an adapted screenplay. Yeah, I I agree. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't. And then it's like anything on, like, I want to say it was like biopics and stuff like that. Well, yeah. Oppenheimer's based off his biography. And... Like, I, I can get that. Yeah. But if it's just using something that people know about and creating a completely unique original story, mm-hmm. it shouldn't fall into this category with everything else that's basing it off of the best material that exists that they want to adapt into something. Yeah. Like, you created something original. Give them credit for the original screenplay. I agree. I agree 100%. The whole, all the categories need to be reworked. I know they fucked with sound a little bit. It sounds different this year. Yeah, and the way movies are being made is changing, and the way they do it is changing. So they keep changing it, but I agree. That's something they need to change. They need to add best voice acting, like you said. Yeah. And I still don't think it would hurt to do, like, a best popcorn movie. Like, I know the Golden Globes are try- like did it, and everyone's dunking on them. It was best box office achievement. And you get into a weird conversation where it's like well does just the top grossing movie win and then it's not really (laughs) a competition it's not really let's just like a this is who wins no one else should be nominated it should be a category where it's like what is whatever you name it whatever you want tom cruise award (laughs) sure the honorary (laughs) tom cruise award it's the best movie that made a billion dollars and maybe you could change the maybe it's the top 10 box office it's just all those 10 movies can say that they got an oscar nomination because they made so much money because at the end of the day that is an achievement yeah 100%. 100%. That keeps the industry alive. As much as Scorsese wants to cry about it, you can't make your shitty little Apple movie if, you know, the Marvel movies aren't making as much money as they're making. Well, maybe with Apple you can because Apple rules the world. Yeah, but they have enough. It's just, they... The point it of sounds ma- stupid. The Mario movie should have got an Oscar, uh, Oscar nomination, okay? <laughs> That's what you're upset about? Yes. <laughs> Jack Black should have at least snuck in for Peaches. Best yes. Yeah. Be- best yes. That's my answer to that. Best yes. <laughs> no, I, it's just... The whole point of making movies, like, it is art, and it's wonderful to see the art side of it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we don't get this art unless there's money, and people are going and watching these films. And there needs to be something for a movie that gets people to the movie theaters to go and watch these films and enjoy different things. Yes, the whole, and that's why I get so mad at Scorsese. It's like, the whole purpose of a movie, it, it's entertainment. Yeah. And, like, there's different ways to be entertained, and to look down on it is, like... It's all entertainment. And in theory, the movie that grosses $1.3 billion entertained a lot more people than Killers of the Flower Moon. million percent? So let's get on those three categories, Ty. Yeah. And, like, let's get more movies 
nominated. Like, that's a good thing. Like, yeah, I'm glad that there's more Best Picture nominees. Like, let, I, I don't know if the Academy makes money. I don't honestly like, understand the point of the Oscars. Like, if you, if you trace everything in, in the world, it's back to money somehow. Like, I don't know if the Oscars makes money or whatever, but if you open the door for more categories in a movie like Super Mario Bros. to say it's an Academy Award nominated film, yeah, you're going to get more people tuning in. You're going to get more people caring. And, you know, that's going to help. And, yeah, Scorsese will be pissed that he has to share the honor of being an Academy Award winning, you know, person with a fucking Mario movie. But, oh, well, who cares about him? <laughs> like, let's stop. Let's stop. Uh, gatekeeping. Gatekeeping. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's so much gatekeeping in the film community. I hate it. And there's so much pretending like you know shit you don't know, yeah. too. No We're, one knew about the Irish Civil War. <laughs> Nobody knew it. And that's why I love this movie podcast, because we'll sit up here and we'll talk about how Godzilla was robbed for not being nominated for Best Foreign Film, and also say how we haven't seen any of the other films. Yeah. <laughs> but God damn it, I know I'm right. And we, but we don't pretend. Yeah. We don't sit there like, man, you know, one of the movies that I, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head, like, man, I know that one's a banger. <laughs> I know Zone of Interest is a banger just because it's also nominated for Best Picture, okay? That's all yeah. I know. I just, I don't know. People want to go watch movies. People enjoy watching movies. Show more love for the movies that get people there. Yeah. They deserve it. And then also you can do your artsy films and get more eyes and more recognition for incredible works of art. That's great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one or the other. This is why we're going to have our Within the Lines award show that we're going to release around the Oscars. And we only have like two categories that I know of, but we can workshop it. We'll get some more categories. <laughs> I was looking at the one category. Yeah, we haven't had a, a nominee for that category in a while. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get one in this film, though. No, 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 definitely not. You got anything else, Oscar talk? I don't. I'm looking forward to see who wins. Yeah, we got 50 minutes of Oscar talk, so we might breeze through the Holdovers review. Sorry to any Holdovers fans. Oh, that's a shame for the Holdovers. Why don't you rip off the synopsis for us, Ty? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A grizzled boys-only school teacher is forced to spend his Christmas break with the boys who could not go home. As he spends time with the one remaining boy, he learns how to better connect with the kids and how to be a better person himself. The Holdovers. Yeah. Best Picture nominated film. As we were just talking about all the Oscars. Best Actor nomination for Paul Giamatti. Best Actress, Supporting Actress. Correct. Joy Randolph. Correct. Um, so it got some love. There's a couple. Surprised the kid didn't get a best supporting actor nod, but that's also a, a testament to how strong that category is this year. <laughs> yeah. That kid was pretty good. I mean, I don't want to spoil my scale. Um, yeah, we reviewed this movie because uh, we knew it was going to be a best picture nominated movie, and it was a great time to review it. And it ended up, I think, being a perfect movie to review on the back of a 50 minute Academy Award talk because. While I, I liked this movie, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have gotten 45 minutes out of me in, in conversation form. No, absolutely not. So Nothing happens. Some stuff happens, but nothing really happens. Yeah, and I, I saw some reviews. I don't want to take away from um, – I don't want to pretend like this is my take. You know, I'm not going to pretend like I knew about the Irish Civil War. 
but I saw a lot of people talking about in their reviews about this film about how it's it's ref- it was refreshing for them because it's a character driven monologue driven not monologue but dialogue driven exposition driven film it's not it's we don't see a lot of these films anymore in yeah. 2023 2024 where it's just like you you look at the the story or i guess the plot and you're really like what kind of happens in this film but you're still telling a story through the characters you know it's kind of like a character deep dive so to say so um yeah i, I think uh it might not be for everyone, but I think there's still a reason it's getting the Oscar buzz it's getting. Well, that's the thing, Jay, is it may not be for everyone. It's sitting at a 91% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. The general public does seem to enjoy this film. I wonder if that's only people who kind of know about it are watching it, though. Like, that. No, like I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Meaning, like, the common person isn't watching this. Maybe if someone's looking and going out of their way to watch the holdovers, it's because they know what this film is and what they want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see that. It's always shocking to see this type of movie get such a high audience score. Yeah. I agree with you. Cause this really feels like a movie that like film critics make sense. hundred percent. This movie's going to do great. Mm -hmm. Get all the noms general public though. I, I wouldn't expect it to be as, as really, you know, loved as it is right now. This feels like a movie I would have been assigned in my uh, not to brag uh, cinema class, not cinema class, movie class. What have I always film class? Film, yeah. my collegiate film class. It's Toronto Film Festival winner. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's got the award on it, but it doesn't say winner. Tiff, maybe a nominee. Uh, directed by Alexander Payne, who has also directed movies like Downsizing, Nebraska, The Descendants, Sideways. Nothing really big. So this is kind of his first uh, foray into like a big feature film that's getting award buzz at this level. Uh, Paul Giamatti obviously is a, I feel like he's one of those well-known actors where people might not know his name, but they see his face and they're like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah. Everyone knows who Paul Giamatti is. They may not know. Like they don't know his name, but they know who he is. Yeah. They know who he is. They know what he's done. He's a familiar guy at the bar, you know? I mean, he's been in a lot of shit. I know. I just, he, I feel like no one knows his name. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he's a guy who just, he likes making shit, man. Yeah. And he'll he'll show up in your show, in your movie, in anything. I mean, he's he's doing the holdovers. He's also been in like TV shows like BoJack Horseman and Rick and Morty. Like the guy just likes telling stories. Yeah, and he tells San Andreas his- that really <laughs> shitty rock movie. Never saw it. It's terrible. Let me tell you. And he's in it. Well, he tells a story in this film, Ty. And I guess we could just jump right in the scale. I don't. There's obviously no movie theater story. So I guess we could just jump straight into the review. Um, I watched this streaming, watched it on my couch, watched it with my beautiful fiance, who already watched half of it and then got pulled away from it. So rewatched the first half and then watched the second half with me. Was she locked in that first half again? No. I wouldn't be. Plot slash story. I broke this into two separate categories for this film. And maybe I should do that with every time I do my scale. Did you give it 10 points for plot, 10 points for story? I gave, yes. I didn't give it 10 points. Half of the score was for plot. Half (laughs) of the score was for story. (laughs) Okay. And I'll be honest. I think I'm giving more over 10 for one of them because my final score might be too high if I'm doing a (laughs) 10-10 split. Because the plot of this movie, there isn't like – some stuff happens, but it's very minute. It's very simple. It's very character-driven. It's it's meant to be – 
dole in a sense and feel like real life and feel like almost like you're you're watching a real life event and it's, and it's a story you're being told by Paul Giamatti's character and you're just watching it unfold you know it's n- nothing crazy happens yes there is like this kind of climax i guess of when he sees his dad and then the fallout from that but it's not the plot isn't like a traditional plot structure the story that's being told i <sighs> I don't want to sound like the film bros I make fun of where I'm like, you didn't really understand that. But like throughout the movie, like the story of like these three broken people all coming together and how they're broken in different ways and how they express that brokenness in different ways. And they're similar in ways you don't understand the whole way, like how they're both taking depression medication. That's like a big reveal. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was a really grounded story. I thought that was a really uh, emotional story for me. I I didn't cry. I wasn't like as, as, shocked as iron claw by any means but like <laughs> this story made me feel and these felt like real people and this will translate to my character score as well i think in this movie specifically these two categories kind of go hand in hand oh, 100%. Um, and i i really liked what they did look am i gonna sit down and re-watch this film knowing the whole story and what happened you know start to finish probably not but having watched it and gotten that that story being told through the characters like i did feel something in this film and I, I thought, you know, there's a reason why it's, it's nominated. And I thought this is part of the reason why. Look, I gave it a 16 out of 20, Ty. Um, yeah, not a lot happens in the in the plot. But just the, the way the nothingness in the plot almost works together with the story. Like, in my head, I was like, oh, I'll give story 10 out of 10 and plot 6 out of 10. It might be like a 11-5, 12-4 situation. But I, I really, I was really impressed by it. I really was. Yeah, I mean, I'm one point lower than you. I'm at a 15 out of 20. But I agree with all the same points. It's all these different people who, at the beginning, like, are can't stand each other, especially the teacher and the boy. And the boy's, like, giving shit to the, the cafeteria lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end, like, you realize, like, hey, everybody's going through shit. Everybody has their struggles. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, it just does such a good job of subtly showing how similar everybody really is. And, like, the pain that everyone's going through and everyone has their own trauma and and grief and and bullshit that they're dealing with yeah and it shows like how similar all of these three very different characters are and that's the story that's what it is the plot nothing happens they're at the school kid gets abandoned by the other kids is like a fuck you so then it's just the three remaining well his parents also didn't pick up the phone parents also didn't pick up the phone because they didn't give a fuck about him why didn't he just go home and stay home alone he's like 17 years old that's what i was telling riley i don't think he had a ride home Someone had oh, to come get him. They it. couldn't release him to the helicopter because his parents <laughs> didn't answer. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's the big, like you said, the big moments when they go to Boston, he sees his dad. And then for the teacher, it's like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And you see this character development and growth out of all three of them, really, throughout the film and that connection. And that's what it is. That's where it's getting all the credit. That's why it's getting so much love is it's a very, very subtle way to show this this emotional kind of story. Yeah, and the teacher, Paul Giamatti's character, the reason he's getting so much buzz, you know, the acting's good. I guess I could save it for characters, actually. I just, the, his arc and how he starts and how he finishes and everything, I mean. Let's go out of order. Let's do it. These two go hand in hand in this. Oh, you want to switch it up? Let's go sw- switch it up. Let's hit characters next. 19 out of 20 for me. Wow. I thought this was a great combination of great acting and I'm someone who said I kind of like the off-the-wall performances a little bit more. Sometimes I give that a little bit more credit. These are very much grounded in reality performances, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to respect them. I think all three leads in this, or one lead, two supporting, are 
fantastic. And just the subtlety of the acting and the filmmaking and how they did it, like just the little moments with Paul Giamatti's character. I mean, he finally has a little bit of hope with that secretary, you know, and like a, like a love interest. And then just the, the heartbreak you feel when she, (laughs) she gets up and kisses her husband or boyfriend, I'm assuming boyfriend. And like, you just see his face. And I was like, I felt for him Yeah, like that. I felt like I was back in like middle school. Ooh. And, like, one of my friends told me they had a crush or something, and then, like, their crush kissed another boy or something like that. Like, yeah. I feel like I was watching that unfold right before me. Completely helpless. Um, Yeah, it was like I, I felt bad for him. And just the subtle, like, how he starts, and he's very by the book, and he doesn't change that. He's still by the book and, you know, wants to see kids succeed, but he almost does it in a different way where he's, like, holding these kids to these standards. You know, you got to have good grades. I'm not going to cheat to get you into university, all that stuff. Yeah. I want to positively impact. One of his first lines is that their job is to create good young men out of, you know, out of these these children. I shouldn't say children, but these these boys. Mm-hmm. And, and before, at the beginning, he's trying to do that through, you know, coursework and all that. And then at the end... He goes against himself. He lies so his, you know, the the student can stay, Angus can stay in school, Angus Tolly. And like that scene at the end where he's like crying and he's riding off into the sunset, and it's like you could feel like he finally felt like he actually made a positive impact in someone's life. Like a, he did make a student a better person and made his life better. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It was like I, I just felt something about it. It felt like. It felt like when you have a really good teacher in school and like they, it's not like what they taught you in the textbooks. It's kind of the life experiences they gave you. And like, like fucking my quakes internship and how I was sad afterwards. Cause like, man, it's not necessarily that I'm done covering minor league baseball games. It's like the people I worked with and learned from, I'm not going to work with anymore. And like, I don't know. I just <laughs> kind of felt it a little bit. I kind of felt it to my heart a little bit. And that was all based off the character stories that were being told so i yeah. give it 19 out of 20 one point lower i'm at an 18 out of 20 though still fantastic score um i think the character arcs with those the subtlety to the performance yeah it's just so good because you're right at the beginning like he's like i've been doing this i know how to make you know these kids better this is why i'm doing it this way mm-hmm. and seeing him learn and adjust and and connect to him throughout and completely change how he handles everything in day-to-day life growing that connection like the character is one thing at the beginning he's completely different at the end mm-hmm. everything in between is fantastic yeah um same thing with the student he does a great job of like being a little prick versus like hey the teacher is also going through shit and and understanding his struggle and that character yeah. arc like it's it's done very very well and i think something that just popped in my head right now um and i don't know if this is something the filmmaker intended this might just be my interpretation of it is the beginning of the film, they're kind of like talking shit about the teacher, Mr. Hunman, Dr. Yeah. Hunman, whatever his name was. And there was some dumb rumor that he did something and all the kids were laughing and it was played off as like this comedic moment. And then at the end of the film, when he gets fired, the the dickhead kid, Teddy Koontz, says, oh, I heard he got fired because he was eating poop in the locker room or whatever stupid thing. But it was just as stupid as the one in the beginning. And the way it was told in the beginning was like this comedic, let's make fun of this dickhead teacher and then at the end when he does it it's like you're like what the hell dude like you know what i mean like it's like that character is almost the teddy coons character the dick because he wasn't throughout all this film is almost like the 
the the constant in the equation. And yeah. Then, he's the point of reference. Yeah. And then at the end, you realize like he's the exact same performance, saying the exact same kind of thing. But the way you feel about what he said is completely different because of the journey you just went on with these characters. It's a great Man, point. I just I loved it. Yeah. That's a great point because I didn't register that. But as you're saying, like it makes perfect sense. Like he is the exact same start to finish. Everything else around him and your emotion towards these characters change. My bird brain's getting a little bigger. Man, that's not bad, Jay. <laughs> you can tell you took a film class. <laughs> that's something I could write in an essay, and they'd be like, damn. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. That's, they'd that's... be sitting there like, this guy probably knew about the Irish Civil War. <laughs> like, this guy got it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, key elements. I don't really know what the key elements I, for this film is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things, because I think of a movie like, Different movie, but Nomadland, where, like, the really good performance is just, like, a person being a person. Mm -hmm. And, like, the key elements is, like, it's just everyday life. Yeah. And so this is considered a comedy drama, but, I I don't know, it's not that funny. There is points of humor throughout, for sure, but it's more emotional and it's more drama. With that being said, there isn't huge emotional, climactic, dramatic payoffs. Mm-hmm. I think there's emotion throughout, 100%, and I'm giving it credit in the other two categories. I'm at a 15 out of 20 for key elements. As a drama, I think that emotion works, and I'm giving it credit for the emotion. The actual story being told, and I like the reveal of like him covering up that his dad's been dead. Yeah. And then like, oh, surprise, he's not dead. He's just, I, I don't know, he's had a brain problem? Some injury, yeah. Yeah, they don't yeah. really explain, but obviously his dad isn't who his dad used to be. Yeah. And I like that payoff, and I think that kind of goes into the dramatic part of this. But, I mean, it wasn't hilarious. It was a slower burn, and, and a lot more of it had to do with the character development than the actual story and, and drama unfolding. Yeah, I'm one point higher than you. I gave it a 16. There's not those big moments where you're you're crying. Maybe some people there is. I didn't have that. It was more so just like, I don't know the realism I felt in this movie. Like, I just keep relating it to, like, moments in my life you know and just like the yeah. just i don't know i it felt very real it felt like i was watching real people develop this relationship and like you're developing a relationship with them and just kind of like the the realization that everyone's kind of a little bit broken and yeah. you need each other to piece each other back together um i don't know i i gave it a six like i said a 16 just for that emotion and for that not a big there's not any big peaks where you're like having that sad crying scene that every movie wants you to have, but it's like, you feel it throughout and the filmmaker, you know, this is original screenplay. So he wrote this, I don't know if he wrote it, but it was written by someone. And I think he made the film he wanted to make, you know, for the most part, you know, like maybe some people thought it was a little bit funnier. You know, there's some of that brash kind of humor in it and whatnot, but for the most part, you made the movie you wanted to make 16 out of 20 is like an eight out of 10. That's a damn good score. I'll reserve the right for 17 through 20 for a little bit higher, but I 16 is a solid score. Yeah. No, I don't agree. I don't disagree. Um, cinematography. Yeah. I think this movie, it doesn't have, it, it's very much made to look like it was filmed when it takes place. Yeah. Which I think takes skill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it genuinely feels like they recorded this movie 45 years ago and put it in a vault somewhere and released it today. <laughs> Like that one movie that's supposed to be released in like a hundred years. Yeah, no, that was this movie. <laughs> that's actually Paul Giamatti's dad starring in the. film. Ah, oh, got it. Yeah, kind of looks like Mr. Gregory. Maybe it was Mr. Gregory. Could have been Mr. Gregory. <laughs> um, 
No, yeah, I thought there's a lot of technical stuff in this film, you know, the way they hold on certain scenes, the way they um the camera angles work. There's like a mini kind of one shot when they're walking around the uh liquor store and then, you know, talking about it. I mean, he's just kind of walking in a half circle. It's not like they're panning a lot and whatnot, <laughs> but those extended shots are always nice though. It is. And uh, you know, it feels like it was filmed in the 70s, 1970 to be exact. The set design is great. And there's a technical craft there. Is is it groundbreaking? Did they do like a shot in this movie that I specifically remember? And I'm like, damn, that's really, really good. No, not necessarily. But the way they, they it was shot and everything, I think, is um, it played to the emotion. It played to the realness. Again, this felt like I was watching like a sad reality show, honestly. <laughs> I felt like I was there with them. Again, 16 is a good score. I gave it a 16. Yeah, I, I'm actually one point higher than you in this category. 17. Wowzers. I think it was really interesting because the entire time i'm watching it i'm like this is not a movie that came out in 2023 (laughs) it's just not and i mean it's the complete opposite of james cameron gotta let the technology catch up they've had this technology for for years and it's really hard to make something look like how those movies looked yeah and you get this it is technically like a christmas movie you get this warm fuzzy like older christmas movie vibe from how it looks 100 percent and and that completely is based on how they shoot this movie, how everything's the color, saturation, mm-hmm. all that kind of shit. Like it just creates this vibe to it. Camera work's done very well. Again, not any like memorable iconic shots. Really, really small things throughout that yeah. help just grow everything. So it definitely does look really good. I like the colors, everything's dull. Yeah, like it's just that dull. Adds to the dreariness of everyone being fucked up. Even when they're in Boston, like it's, you don't get like this grand colorful reveal. Yeah. Like just looking at stills of the movie right now, like I genuinely, it's, it's like the polar opposite of a Wes Anderson movie uh, with all the colors (laughs) Wes Anderson uses. Two Um, directors are mortal enemies. (laughs) For real. Like it just, yeah. Great. I don't think there was like any color blue in this at all. No, no. They, like bright blue or anything like that. They took like three colors from the rainbow and just made it work. We've talked about it before, but there's that, like the posters you can buy where it's like the movie's color mm. and it's all the different colors that are used like shot by shot. This movie would be a little bit depressing maybe to buy. Oh, yeah. But I think that's kind of the point. If you have this poster in your house of this movie, mm-hmm. you have to have a sun lamp right next to it or you're going to go, you're going to get real sad. Should I get one for our little mini podcast studio here? A sun lamp? No, one of those cool posters. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. I eventually want to get a house and hopefully have a bigger, bigger dedicated space to this, but yeah. I think that would look cool. I don't know. What movie's going to be the most colorful to make it pop? I think I'd just do Oppenheimer because I love Oppenheimer. <laughs> be real orange, though. <laughs> movie color posters. Um, it's uh, If you want to go buy one, it's uh, moviepalette.com. Oh, there's two companies that do it, I guess. It's Movie oh. Palette and The Colors of Motion. Who's the OG, though? Uh, movies palette website looks a little more familiar so i'm gonna say them okay it's cool it is cool to see like a very quick glimpse of what that movie looks like mm-hmm. yeah let's see what oppenheimer looks like it says avatar the way of water is the newest one they have though looks great i'll be honest oh, yeah, i don't see oppenheimer. should i get you a top gun maverick 2022 movie palette oh what does that look like it's a uh, a lot of uh I don't know, browns and then blues and then browns again. Fuck yeah. The Minions, The Rise of Gru one actually looks kind of cool. <laughs> I wonder what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 looks like. They don't have it, so maybe I got to go to the other one. What was the other one? The Colors of Motion. Colors of Motion makes it look like it goes up and down, though. 
Oh, one one took on the horizontal, mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. did the the vertical. Yeah, yeah. What's this movie called? The Holdovers. Trying to see if they have the holdovers. This is great radio tie. It's just fantastic. Us on a website shopping for posters that no one can see. <laughs> they don't have the holdovers. Sorry to say. Um, God. <laughs> great radio. I love it. <laughs> Maybe I get Rat- Riley a Ratatouille one. Enjoyment. As much as I've talked about how much I've enjoyed this film, like, I respect this film. I enjoyed it. I loved the journey it took me on. Am I going to rewatch it? I don't think so. It feels like this movie, like, honestly, I, I enjoyed it in the moment. It had me sucked in enough. Uh, I think I would have benefited maybe if I was in actually a movie theater. Um, but I was actually able to, like, stay mostly away from distractions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This movie feels like, and I think it's perfectly fitting because of subject material, it feels like a summer break that I look back on fondly. Because of like a relationship that developed. I don't mean like, you know, a, a, a intimate relationship, but just a relationship that developed. And I think back in that time period of my life, the internship with the Quakes. And I'm just like, that was a great time. I enjoyed it start to finish. Do I want to necessarily go back and do it again or relive the whole thing? Maybe not. Yeah. And that's kind of fitting because this movie is about two characters who develop this relationship over the course of a winter break and then go their separate ways yeah. and are going to be different the rest of their lives because of it. It's a very brief, brief moment in their life that will have a ripple effect in the rest. And of it. I think everyone, no matter where, what walk of life you're in, where you're at in the world, what you do for a living, who's in your life, I feel like everyone has some moment like this. Um, hopefully, for more people, it's better than worse, you know. But yeah. I think everyone kind of has this this similar feeling, and I just I feel that way about this movie. It was great. I love the journey it took me on. I, I, I'm not going to ever rewatch it. I, I just, I don't, I almost don't want to, I don't want to relive this. <laughs> I want to keep it in my mind and just move forward that way. I this, can't is re- a, this is a one-time watch movie. It is. And it's, it's a fine one-time watch movie. And the whole point of enjoyment, it's like, am I going to come back to it? Is it popcorny? Is it recommendable? Those three things are kind of like zeros. So like I enjoy <laughs> the craft of it, but it's going to cap it to a certain point. And to me, that certain point is a 13 out of 20. Yeah. Completely agree. I'm at a 13 out of 20 as well. There you go. I, w- I was shocked that this many people had it as high as they did on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. because it is. It's it's a one-time watch. It's kind of slow. I appreciate what it did. I appreciate what you get out of it. It's not one of my favorite movies ever. It's not like a, this was fucking incredible, you need to go watch it type film. Yeah. I'm not going to recommend it. I won't rewatch it. I appreciate it, and I gave it plenty of points in the other categories for how much I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. It's just not for me. I don't know who it is for. With that being said, in terms of like a someone's gonna be like, this is my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. No one should be saying that. Mm-mm. But no. I don't know. David, thirteen out of twenty, giving it a final score of seventy-eight out of a hundred for me. Jay, what'd you give it? I give it a final score of a clean eighty out of one hundred. Ooh, just hopping in there. Gives its combined score 79 out of 100, making this the 70th movie out of 213 films we have reviewed. It is with the likes of uh, Turning Red. (laughs) That's a bad take. (laughs) Bullet Train, Good Boys, Thor, Love and Thunder, Enola Holmes, uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. I don't think there was a single movie near it that's 
this is on an island. Her maybe at 82 is like maybe the next closest. This is on an island. It's unlike anything in this category. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to make of that. Nomad Lands at a 77, so it's a little bit better Nomad Land. Green Book's a 77. A little bit better Green Book? I guess, man. Feel like that's where we're falling. Yeah. Weird weird review. I respect everything it did. I didn't love it. Yeah, and I'm going to look back on it fondly. And I'm going to look back on it in maybe five years. I'm like, how did that get an 80? I look back on it fondly. But if I were to turn it back on and rewatch it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's the right score. And yeah, it's a Best Picture nominee with a 77 out of 100 for us. That's just how the scale works. Paul Giamatti better than Killian Murphy? No. Mm. I don't think so either, but I think it's close. I don't. I really liked his performance in this. I think he was good. I think he get a good, gave a good performance, but it's very mellow. I that This isn't the performance for me. Whereas it's, Killian Murphy and the weight of everything he's dealing with, and every, it's just... Is Killian Murphy's performance a little overrated? No. I don't want to say it out loud. Perfect 20 out of 20 did. in characters for me. <laughs> RDJ wasn't overrated. Killian Murphy wasn't overrated. Emily Blunt wasn't well, overrated. Well, I disagree with RDJ, as I already mentioned. Everyone um, was fantastic in that movie. Out of 79 out of 100, it also falls within the lines. So we would give it a fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it is not above the line, which is an 85 plus. Yeah. So, which above, you would think an Oscar Best Picture nominee would be. Yeah. Above the line is drop everything and see this movie. I don't think you need to drop everything and see this movie. If you like this type of movie, you'll like it. If you don't, you won't. Within the lines, though, it's going to get a fresh score. It's a good movie. No. That's where we fall. Um, AI, tie. Yeah. Is it coming for our job? We're going to find out. This week, I'm not doing a guessing game with you. I'm just going to have you, I guess, grade AI. Okay. Um, and I'll let our audience. Paul Giamatti want. was a teacher, so it's time for me to do some grading. Yeah, you know, we're talking about categories that need to be added to the Oscars. So I asked ChatGPT to create three new categories for the Academy Awards. Oh. And I want you to take an introspective uh, moment to be like, is this better than what I suggested? What it, So you suggested best voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suggested best popcorn movie. Yeah. I feel like we suggested one more. It was just the original and adapted screenplay be adjusted. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, the three let's let's dive into three categories. I want you to give a grade for each one. Okay. And I don't know what's whatever. the grading scale. A through F. Okay. You can do minuses, pluses if you All want. Right. Yeah, I will. Number one, best stunt coordination. Oh. In the description, this category would recognize outstanding achievement in the field of stunt coordination in films. Stunt performers play a crucial role in bringing intense action sequences to life, often putting themselves at risk to create thrilling and realistic scenes. This category would celebrate the creativity, skill, and dedication of stunt coordinators and their teams. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've also brought this up before. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see. When did John Wick Chapter 4 come out? This year, 2023. It was in this one, right? Yeah. That movie deserved to be nominated. I don't know if it was this Oscar cycle, but it was 2023. Oh, okay. Let me see. It came out in March. I think so. I think it's this Oscar cycle. March 24th? No way. Thor, Love, and Thunder is this Oscar cycle. Mitchell's versus the Machines definitely wasn't. We reviewed it before that. What do you, Those movies came out like three years ago. John Wick Chapter 4 is on my list before... Oh, you know what? I did a... I, never mind. My So my personal scale is in chronological order to a point. 
And that point is I filtered them all by one category one time and fucked it all up. Yeah, my 2023 ones are messed up. Yeah, it's all out of order. What time frame is for the 2024 Oscars? Um, I don't know. want to know what time. I don't know. I don't know what the... All right, regardless, John Wick Chapter 4 should be nominated for what it Something, did. Something, yeah. Um, any of those type of movies with incredible hand-to-hand combat, incredible fight choreography deserves to be nominated okay so 2024 oscars are cross comprised qualifying films released between january 1st 2023 and december 31st 2023 oh so it's just so a calendar yeah calendar year. calendar year we were overthinking this yeah <laughs> we were, you really it was were. 2020 20 foot 20 they adjusted some yeah. things yeah, that's yeah. what's fucking with their brain yeah so it wasn't it was it would have been this oscar okay john wick chapter four deserved to get an oscar i'm giving it just a solid a because other people have had that take mm-hmm so AI, I feel like cheating like, a little, like it does a lot. It just steals other people's shit and, you know, spews it back out, <laughs> but I'll give it an A with plagiarism. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good category. I mean, I think there's, we talk about like action scenes, John wick would dominate, but like there's some technicality to that, you know? And I think it's, well, yeah, 100%. it's more of not gatekeeping because people think, look at those movies and they're like, what? You know yeah, what I mean? And it's the, it's the underappreciated side of what creates this movie magic. Yeah. It's the behind the scenes stuff where they have fucking production design and stuff like this hair and makeup that gets love. But these guys who just put their body on the line, guys and girls who make these incredibly fun and exciting films and all the like ridiculous amount of work that goes into choreographing shit like that. Mm-hmm. Movies should get more credit for that. Equalizer so- three. There you go. That deserves to be an Oscar nominated movie. So I will say uh, best stunt coordination was a proposed category that got rejected every year from 1991 to 2012. That's bullshit. But so ChatGPT is – it was literally proposed by the Academy or to the Academy. Yeah. Um, also, what's been rejected, best casting was rejected in 1999. Best okay. popular film, which is literally my idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, proposed in 2018 for presentation at 2019, postponed until 2020 – and is yet to be implemented. Yeah. So maybe one day. Also, best title design rejected in 1999. What does that mean? Just the best name? <laughs> I don't know, but I kind of like it. What a ridiculous. <laughs> I kind of like it. If okay, out of all the Oscar-nominated movies, what movie wins best name this year? Oh gosh, out of just the Oscar movies, the movies that were on the Oscar-nominated Godzilla minus one. Li- it's got to be right. <laughs> I don't really know. What does minus one mean again? I don't remember. Oh, oh, because they went so far below zero. Like, they're so down. Yeah. Like, they got attacked, and then they got attacked again. They're at minus one. Yeah. I think that might be it. Another nominee Godzilla minus one should have got. Mm-hmm. I would have to really look into them, but. Um, no, I'm looking. I think it is Godzilla minus one. Such a fucking sick name. How about just Barbie? Yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> it does work. That would be hilarious if this was like the first year and Barbie won. Yeah. Just the name Barbie. <laughs> be fucking great. Well, that'd probably be a pity uh pity Ooh, award, let's yeah. be honest. Killers of the Flower Moon probably well, would get it. Best title writing was an Oscar award at one point. And it's literally just the best name of a movie. Two years, I think. One year. Twenty nine and thirty. Best assistant director was another one. Best dance direction. I wouldn't mind if that one's back. Best dance direction was an award, mm-hmm. but best fight choreography and stunt choreography wasn't. It's the same shit. It's just not dancing. It's fighting. 
All right, well, let's dive in. Before we do more uh, Oscar talk, let me find this where I'm at again. So discontinued categories. I'm just going to read these all to you right now. Hit Great me. radio. Best assistant director was around for five years in the 30s. Best director for a comedy picture was around for one year, it looks like. Best director for a dramatic picture. I don't know. It doesn't say on this. Okay. I'm not going to click on <laughs> each one. Was around for one year. So this was like how the Golden Globes do it. Mm-hmm. Best dance direction was around for three years in the 30s. All these were around in the 20s and 30s. Best mm. original musical or comedy score was around from 95 to 98. Best original story was around from 27, 28 to 1956. I'm guessing that changed to like adapted screenplay, original screenplay. Yeah. Best short subject, one reel, 1936 to 1956. Best short subject, two reel, 1936 to 1956. Best short subject, color, 1936 to 1937. <laughs> Best short subject, comedy. 32 to 35. Best short subject, novelty, 31 to 35. Best sound editing was from 1963 to 2019. Best title writing was one year, 1927, 1928. And best unique in artistic production, 1927 to 1928. So it's just a whole bunch of weird shit they were doing at the beginning trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Except for sound editing, which got combined with sound production or something to just sound. Can you guess when the last new category was introduced? 19... 19- 30. Think, no, think about this. Last new category. New. Think about type of movies that were animated. 20... 2004? 2001. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They haven't sense. added an award in 23 years. It's time, baby. Give John Wick some credit or voice actors or both. Well, the second category AI uh, recommended is another pretty much failed category. Best casting ensemble, which mm. I guess is just them ripping off best casting. Yeah. This category would acknowledge acceptable, exceptional casting directors and their ability to assemble a talented and cohesive ensemble cast, something you love. Casting is a fundamental element in the filmmaking process, and this award would recognize the casting director's contribution in bringing together a group of actors whose chemistry enhances the overall quality of the film. I hate that I'm agreeing with ChatGPT right now. <laughs> it's really pissing me off. Because, yeah, I, you know I love a good ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe each individual performance isn't deserving of, of an award, but... The this com- is the Iron Claw award. That's the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that 100% hits. So many great performances in that, and they all work so well together. If you were a voter, how would you weigh... Just ignore the actual performances, because we're a little anti-Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. How would you weigh a movie like Iron Claw versus a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon, where Killers of the Flower Moon, there's a lot of good performances, but it's already well-known, established actors, versus Iron Claw, it was Zac Efron and lesser-known guys. Like, are you weighing, are you weighing like the the surprise nature of Iron Claw, or would you give it, or is it just who's better? You know what I mean? I mean, Oscar people are voters; they like a good underdog. And well, I'm asking give, you personally, if you were a voter, I think I would also do. More underdog. Like, okay. look, I think if you're superstars, you guys should be going for your own best performance. Okay. But, like, if a casting director does such a good job of pulling together, like, completely unknown, like, people haven't given these type of f- performances, gets them to work so well together on screen, I'm giving more love there. Okay. I think I agree. Yeah. I think it'd be, I'd be, like, if I'm looking up all the actors afterwards, like, I don't really know these guys. Yeah. Like, that's a big plus in that category. And especially when it's unknown people, like, they're way less likely to be a best actor mm-hmm. nominee but you got to give them some love and best ensemble mm-hmm. uh finally the best oh what'd you give your grade for best casting ensemble b plus all right b plus yeah number three kind of like your best voice acting a little bit different though 
best motion capture performance. Ooh. With the increasing use of motion capture technology and filmmaking, this category would honor outstanding performances delivered through motion capture. Actors who bring characters to life through motion capture contribute significantly to the visual storytelling in films, and this award would highlight their skill in emoting and portraying characters in a digital realm. Okay. I know what I think, but I want to hear what you think. I think this one's so tough because, like, A, there's such a limited pool to pull from. Mm Mm-hmm. From like actual performances with with motion capture, mm-hmm. B. It's such a weird like it's the actor, it's the visual team, it's it's so many things go into that. Yeah, and then you get weird shit that's like Bradley Cooper voices Rocket, but then James or Sean Gunn does the the body the of Rocket, and it's yeah. like a combined effort. So I don't know how you would do that, and I feel like there's not enough. I think you can find a way to give them some credit some some other way than this category. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a D. Solid D. D? Yeah, I don't think this is a category we need. I don't think there's enough. I do think we got to find a way to give more credit for stuff like this, but it's such a one person getting credit for such a team effort type thing. Because you could you could give a shitty performance with mocap, and then the, the fucking artist doing it can make it look like you're so much more in tune with it. Or you could give a great performance, and they could fuck it up. All right. Um... I was gonna say C minus. Okay. Cause I, I could see a world where this is a category. Like it's sensible, but I, I do agree with there's a lot of hurdles and I think there's better ways to recognize and like I just voice acting's a better thing than mocap. And like what exactly are you judging with mocap, like you said? Like Yeah. Is Thanos just winning that in twenty nineteen or whatever year it was? Like what yeah. like is it how good the mocap looks? Is it how good the performance is as a mocap character, regardless of how good the character looks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does everyone from Avatar The Way of Water get nominated last year? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> what do we do here? <laughs> well, that, that's what it is. It's just the James Cameron Avatar Award, mocap yeah. award. It would be nice because like the guy who does, um, oh, what's his name? He plays the weird, creepy little fucker in Lord of the Rings. Gollum? Yeah. Gollum? I don't know Gollum the actor's name. Act- body actor? Mocap actor? <laughs> Andy Serkis. He also mm-hmm. plays um, the monkeys in Planet of the Apes. Still haven't seen the third one. Oh, just holding on, waiting. Don't want to spoil yourself too early just before been, you got to wait. Been a little busy, but... Andy Circus has been fantastic. He does a lot of really hard, cool roles with that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would be cool to see him get some appreciation for that. I just don't know how to do it to where it's, like, actually a sustainable category that you do every year. So, if I'm correct, your grades were A minus B plus D? Yeah. Well, with an A minus B plus and D, ChatGPT has a Tyler Wooten GPA of two point six six seven. That is a passing grade. Yep. Is G is AI coming for our jobs this week? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, most kids get worse than a two point five GPA. So. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. doing all right. Fair. <laughs> there, it's also writing most kids' essays nowadays. Ty, we're running up on an hour and a half. What are we reviewing next week? <sighs> next week we are reviewing Maestro. Maestro. <laughs> you butchered that so bad. <laughs> Maestro tie. Yeah, Maestro. You overthought it. <laughs> I really pronunciated the A-E-S there, really. Because it's like a little loop this way and then a loop the other way and then that squiggly at the end with the S. Got my brain Chat GPT really coming for your job yeah, at this it rate. Is. <laughs> it's not. it's not good. Chat GPT could probably say Maestro. <laughs> yeah. 
Maestro, another Best Picture nominated film with Bradley Cooper. I feel like anyone that's ever made a good movie is tied to this film in some capacity. It's directed by Bradley Cooper. Uh, it's produced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, I believe there's another Scorsese. Big... Oh yeah, Scorsese and Todd Spielberg Phillips. are both Todd Phillips. So anyone who's been someone in Hollywood, I feel like, is attached to this film. Yeah. So got some no- nominations. Um, there's nothing else big coming out next week. We're running nope. it back. We're getting some Oscar yep. movies in. Um, I, I don't want to excite you, Ty, but there is a character in this film. Matt Bomer plays Mr. David Oppenheim. Oh, continue? Just Oppenheim. Oh, no. <laughs> so I don't want to excite you a little bit too much. Yeah. But there is an, there is an Oppenheim. You could say there's an Oppenheimer in this because you could say like there's a, a reader in this. I don't know. There's a Cooper in this? <laughs> yeah, just combine their names. <laughs> Oppenheim is in it. Okay, go watch My Maestro. Yes, Netflix. Netflix streaming. Mm-hmm. Got anything else, Jay? I don't. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.